Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Practical Principles. We're going for a little different version here. We're going into podcasting. Uh, we think it's going to be a little bit of an easier method for teachers to be able to spend five, ten minutes uh, listening than having to try to get to a, a video source. So we're trying something different here. Um, I'm here with my esteemed colleague and dear friend, Kevin Monahan. Hello, everyone. And today, with the uh, last weeks of college graduation for the first semester, um, we get often uh, the question of interviewing because a lot of students are coming fresh out of college, starting to look for jobs. So, Kevin, I would like to spend the next five, ten minutes or so going over just a few interviewing techniques that we could offer for those pre-service teachers starting to look for a, a job. Um, I was just at a local university doing a talk on this and they had some, some insightful questions. Um, and I wanted to share some of those with you and get your take on them. And I'll give you my opinion as well. Um, one of the questions that sort of surprised me was, you know, sort of the, the beginning of preparing for an interview. Um, two questions. They had questions about what to do with their portfolio and the other question was, how should they dress? Um, so let's take the first one um, with the portfolio idea. What are your thoughts on them coming in with the big binder of portfolios and that type of thing? Honestly, Rob, I kind of wish we would have started with the first one, um, or with the uh, the dress. Okay, let's go there. Let's start with the dress one then. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a book that I read called Blink. All right, It talks about thin slicing and about how important it is to make that first impression you know, as soon as you walk through that door. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to make sure that any candidate for a job should always dress to impress. That goes as far as saying, you know, they should be dressing appropriate for that particular position. They should be clean shaven. They should, uh, you know, like their shoes should be polished. Uh, you should, you know, don't, you know, don't ever forsake the details, Rob, because a lot of people make their first impression a lasting impression. Absolutely. And, you know, we see in a lot of these uh, more avant-garde uh, places now, like the Googles and the Apples, where, you know, casual dress is acceptable. Mm -hmm. However, what, what, what we need to keep in mind as incoming interviewees is – if you come casual and the person coming up right after you comes in in a nice shirt and tie or women a nice blouse or suit, suit outfit, then what's going to look better? Because it's not really a matter when you're dealing with an interview of what you feel the workplace environment should be. You're trying to get a job. Uh, at the elementary level, you could be going up literally against a thousand other candidates. We just had a position open. We had 800 uh, interviewee packets that, that came to us. So you, you need to find a way to to impress over 800 other people. Do you really want to take that risk of, of not dressing to, to, to the best that you can uh, in the off chance that they do want that? You know, that there's that old saying, you can never really overdress, but you can always underdress. Yes. So always come with 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 your best uh, your best possibilities forward. Um, 
because another thing you have to consider is, you know, when you come casual and some schools do have dress down days, well, if you're already dressing down for an interview, what in the world are you going to look like on those dress down days? Um, all of those things come into play. Yes. Kevin, how about the portfolio? Yeah. Rob, when I see somebody walk into my office and, you know, obviously we're sizing them up, my main thing is communication. All right. I really, the portfolio is really secondary at that time. I mean, I love to see what they've done in their past. I, you know, trust me. And, you know, I like somebody that's very well organized. But during that interview process, that's just me getting used to who this person is. You know, how's this person thinking? Will this person be a good fit to our organization? Um, it, it, I believe that there is a time and a place for the uh, portfolio. Uh, sometimes I take offense when people push the portfolio off on me right away. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I feel at times. Well, here's the thing, and I totally agree with you. First round interview, you very well could have 20 minutes. Yes. Uh, you don't want one of your interview one of your interviewers spending 20 minutes looking through your portfolio and not paying attention to the answers that you're giving. Absolutely. What I would suggest is two things. One, Use your portfolio as a means to answer the questions. So if there are questions that are coming up, you can turn to your portfolio and say, as you see here in my portfolio, I have done X, X, and X. Don't ask them if they want to keep the portfolio because you're just giving them a job to do to have to try to find a way to get it back to you. If you truly want a portfolio, and I would highly suggest this in the age of technology, create yourself a website or an online portfolio where all you can do or all you have to do is hand the interviewers a URL and say, if you want to learn more about me, I have an online portfolio. Feel free to go and view this URL at your convenience. Not only does it show that you have the ability and the knowledge to do that, but that you value their time, you value the time within the interview process, and you don't want to burden them with having to try to keep your portfolio and finding a way to get it back to you and all of those things. So it's 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 being respectful of the time and respectful of the interviewer's time uh, when it comes to that portfolio. Use it as a, as a tool to communicate with us, but don't use it as something that you want them to Pay, be paying more attention to that than than you because the portfolio, you know, every student comes in with a portfolio and they're very similar nine times out of 10. So the interviewing is what's going to really set you off from those other 800 people that are out there. That's an excellent point. I know that uh, when people present us with portfolios and other people, you know, typically when we interview, we have multiple people in the room. And there have been times after an interview that somebody had their nose in somebody's portfolio the entire time. And they really haven't had the opportunity to make a fair assessment of, you know, the conversation uh, that we had, you know, with the applicant. So I really like the idea, Rob, about providing with the URL where people can, you know, go on there and take a look. If we're interested enough, you know, in that person, you, you know, we're going to spend that extra time to go in and take a look at that. I also liked your point about for people that have portfolios that when we are asking questions during an interview, that they use that portfolio to help answer that question or to maybe show us something. Um, you don't you don't want to have any distractors when you're interviewing. You know the you know the focus should be on you and your abilities. Absolutely. So, hey, Kevin, give me uh, two of your favorite questions that you like to uh, ask an incoming interviewee. Oh man, you really put me on the spot, Rob. <laughs> 
honestly, I like to know, you know, what their plans are, where, where they see themselves in five years, where they see themselves in 10 years. That really says a lot about an applicant. I mean, are they complacent? Are they going to be happy with the position? Or are they going to try to better themselves? Um, you know, I also like people that work in, in teams. You know, I ask a you know, question regarding teamwork, collaboration. You know, what type of 21st century skills can you bring to the table? Yeah. Are, are you are you going to be one of those industrial revolution traditional types of teachers or are you going to bring us some uh, some new stuff? Uh, I, w- I will answer the, the the one question that you mentioned with the uh, where do you see yourself in five and 10 years? Uh, that's a double edged sword because you want to make sure that you're telling them that you want to grow. You want to become stronger as a teacher. But if you say eh, in five years, I want to be a principal out in North Dakota. Well, we're not going to put our time into into hiring you as a teacher if we know we may get three or four, maybe five years out of you if we're lucky, and then we're going to have to go through this whole process again. So you want to be careful uh, answering that question so that they know that you want to better yourself, but you don't want to leave, um, and, and, and that can get tricky. Um one of my favorites are, are, are the simple ones because it, it, I find it interesting how people answer it. You know, the old, tell me about yourself. Why should we hire you? And the reason I like those is because every candidate should know that that question is coming. And, and so it should be a perfectly formulated answer because as an interviewee, you know, those questions are coming and you should have had, you should have thought them through prior to sitting there. So when you start stumbling, you go all the way back to grade school and, you know, where you went to high school. And we don't care about those things. We want to see that you've created a good answer that tells us about who you are as it pertains to the job that you're looking at. And and that's important. Tell me about you. Tell me about how us hiring you is going to make this position stronger, better, and so forth. And, you know, why should we hire you? That's always a great question to end with because, again, it's sort of a stock question and you should have a, a solid answer prepared. Uh, my answer was always, I would say with a little chuckle, it's the smart thing to do. And I'd say, oh, no, I'm just teasing. I use that to remember my answer. S, I'm student-centered. M, I'm a motivator. A, I'm an administrator. R, I'm resourceful. And T, I will always be a lifelong teacher. So I had that sort of had that stuck in my head. So when I knew it was coming, I had that good answer prepared, and I practiced it. Kevin, you got another one? Honestly, Rob, I like uh, when – people do their homework, you know, they, they learn something about, you know, the the school district or the company, you know, they put time in to know, you know, you know, about the the people that work in that company, what we're about. I think that's most impressive to me when I have a candidate sitting in front of me and they're able to tell me a little bit about our school district, you know, because they really want to be a part of it. You can tell if someone's genuine or not. Absolutely. And I think that is the key, what you just said, be genuine, be yourself. Don't don't bring something to the table that's not truly you, because we'll see right through it. Really, within the first two minutes, we, we've already made some determinations on if we want to uh, even consider moving you forward or not. So, you know, those first few minutes when you get in there, you know, it's important to be genuine, be yourself. Um, I think one of the biggest things that, that principals look for, administrators look for, uh, when you walk in that door and you answer these questions is your passion. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to fake passion. Um, either, either you want to do this, you live and breathe it, and, and this is all there is to it. Or you don't. And really those questions, 
they, they, they come through. We can feel your passion. And that's what's so important uh, to us as educators because we're dealing with a very important subject here, and that's raising children. So you know, we want the most passionate. Hey, Kev, let me ask you this, this question. Um, when, when, you're, when you're listening to somebody give you the textbook-style answers to questions, uh, what's going through your mind? What do you think about those textbook answers? I don't like the canned responses, Rob. It really doesn't allow you to be passionate. And I can understand, you know, I mean, are you just quoting something from a book just because it's going to impress me? That's not what it's about. I like application questions as well. You know, how do you apply that, that uh, textbook knowledge to scenarios. And those are some important questions that we ask as well, dealing with various scenarios that you will encounter in this type of employment. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you entirely because you got to think about it. If, if I've got 800 candidates all going for the same elementary position, chances are you've all read the same textbooks and you're all using the same buzzwords and same, same stock answers. Right. That doesn't tell us anything. Tell us your experiences yeah. as a teacher already in student teaching or other places, which by the way, you should go out and get as much experience as you can, because that's where you talk from. You could say, you know, when we talk about classroom management question, you could give us the stock textbook answer, or you could say, oh, yes, when I was in the classroom, I did this, this, and this, and the kids responded by doing this, this, and this. Always remember to answer the questions based on the child. Yeah. We want to know what happened with the children when you were doing these things. At this point, it's not about you. It's about the kids. So I created this lesson and the kids learned dot, 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 dot. And they seem to enjoy it because they did dot, 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 dot. That's what's more important than I created a great lesson and I really enjoyed teaching the lesson and that type of thing. You have to always answer it from the kid's standpoint. Hey, Kev, give us one. What? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say that's an excellent point. And that's something that I listen for in every question, whether it's kid centered. You know, I, I, you know, I love that. And pretty much every question for the most part should, you know, involve, you know, a kid centralized type of um, answer. Absolutely. All right. We got one more minute left here, Kevin. Give us the last, uh, last shed of advice for these incoming interviewees coming up here in December and January looking for a job. Most important thing is if you aren't successful in getting a full-time position, like Rob stated, you need to get out there. You need to get experience. Substitute in as many different schools. Get some uh, multiple experiences, um, long-term substitutes. That's where you get your feet wet. That's where, you know, you become more passionate about what you're doing. You know, some people over those the course of those months, they find out, hey, man, this may not really be for me. But those who are passionate, those people that Rob and I look for to hire, those are the ones that are going to stick it out, you know, through thick and thin. Couldn't have said it better myself, and I completely agree with you, Kevin. That's my that's my advice too. The same thing he said, and I bet you a lot of administrators would agree with us. That's that, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that passionate person who's willing to go the extra mile to help these children. Okay, so um, this is our first podcasting attempt here with the practical principles. Uh, if you get an opportunity, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast so you'll get. Uh, more of our podcasting information as it comes through. Uh, we'd like to do maybe one of these every couple weeks. And uh, again, these are the Practical Principles with Kevin Monahan and Rob Furman signing off. Thank you very much. Thank you.